Christ-like right here on Blog Talk Radio and the Road Less Traveled Internet Ministries. It is Friday, March 6, 2015. March 6th already. We're in March, and we're having snow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I always think rain for March, but it's snow still. I know, I know. I'm Derek. This is Dawn. Jimbo's in the producer's booth. You are listening to Becoming Christ-like and watching it on YouTube uh, it is Friday. We've talked about that before. Fridays aren't such a big deal for you. No. Uh, because it's just another day of the week. That's right. Because I don't work out of the home. If I worked out of the home and come home and had the weekend well, off, it would be different. You work on Friday. I work every right day. Right here at the studio. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> you maintain the, 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 the homestead during the week. I do. You? We had our first baby calf two days ago. I got to get my hands on it and, really? it and everything right there in that cold weather. No kidding. Brings them on. So this is the time that they come along? Yes. In... So I'm excited. I always love baby cows. Oh, well, good for you. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I don't absolutely... You don't like cows. <laughs> I have, I, no, it's not that. I love to eat them. Well, I, I do too. That's why we have them. <laughs> I have no, uh, I have no knowledge of any of that. Well, you'll have to come down sometime, take a walk through. I don't think so. Ah, <laughs> oh, you're no. I'm scared of cows, cows uh, and horses. Uh, you know, I've sat on a horse before, but I've never ridden a horse before. Oh, really? No. Oh, my girls are, love the horses. Really? Yeah. We have. Uh, we don't have any anymore, but both my daughters still have horses and ride. Do you have a, a nice horse that I can ride? That yeah. wouldn't. That wouldn't be all mean. And Deandra's horse Bo is really good, and um, Dana has one that's for the kid that's 16 years old, so he'd be really. There good you for go. You. That's, that's the kind you want. That's the kind that I want right yes. there. That's exactly right. I. I need I need one that will just like. They're called babysitters. Oh, you want there the you babysitters. go. That's that's what that's what I want. Yeah. I want the babysitters. Exactly. That's for sure. Hey, if you want to find out more about us, you can go to our Facebook page, and our Facebook page is uh, becoming Christlike. You can also, and then from there you can see the web page, which is bemorechristlike.com. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter, and uh, the Twitter is Christlike today. today. And I was looking as as we had it up. Uh, what do we have? We have twenty eight thousand followers, twenty eight point three thousand followers. Yes. And today on Twitter, you put watch out. Your criticism could also be called slander. Hmm. Ooh. Yeah, see. And so you've got a lot of people. We've got a lot of people following us on Twitter. Um, you take care of that, the Twitter and the Facebook. So. Great conversation place. Yeah, I, yeah, it is. Except, you know, I'm not into Twitter that much. I oh, just, okay. I just don't tweet. I like tweets. I know. So can, I can do it for you. I know. That's <laughs> why you take care of the Facebook. That's why you take care of the Twitter, and do it. And you do a fantastic job. We are becoming Christ-like. We have been um, in the midst of a study, uh, and uh, we're going to keep doing uh, that. On it, I'm not sure if it's going to go on through Lent or not. Uh, but we'll we'll see it all, and we've said that before. We're trying to do uh, chapter after chapter, um, but we don't know. We'll see. We never know how it's going <laughs> to turn never. out. <laughs> if we get to what, like we said, if we get to one, uh, we will do that. But we are excited to have you here today and continuing on with our Lenten study. So let's go ahead and, and open our time up uh, with prayer. 
Gracious Father, we do thank you for this time that we have once again, this Friday morning, that we come to you as we study about our attitude, the attitude uh, that we have for others, the attitude that we show towards you and to ourselves. So, Father God, we would ask a blessing upon this time that indeed you would be glorified in all that we say and do, uh, that our, our words would be your words, that they would go out and touch hearts and minds. Father God, you are all powerful. We thank you for this Lenten time as we look at ourselves, as we inspect our hearts and, and, and see where we need change. So, Father God, we ask that you do change our attitudes, that you adjust them so that they might be in line with your word. We give this time to you in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, so uh, we're, we've been talking about uh, this book and uh, during this Bible study, which we started, hmm, what is this? It's I don't know. Week four, and I, we kind of had a little preview before. I never. Uh, <laughs> well, we're on we're on we're on chapter. What we're are on we chapter, chapter four. four. So, so about, we, this is our fourth or fifth or something. Well, it'll be our fifth because we kind of did a little opening one. Yeah, one with a little bit. That's exactly right. If you want to go back, you can just go to bemorechristlike dot com. You can click on any of the blog talk radio things. It will take you back. Uh, to all of the shows, but we have been studying a book written by an individual named James McDonald, and it is called Lord Change My Attitude Before It's Too Late. And so we've been talking about attitude change, and <clears throat> he, he uses a number of different verses, but, but we keep bringing it back, and he started it out under the Israelites mm-hmm. in in the desert, their their attitude, which we all know. Uh, fluctuated. That's right. A lot of murmuring and grumbling. Yeah, we Mm -hmm. talked about that. And what James McDonald does in this book is he presents a number of attitudes that we have uh, or that were indicative of the Israelites or indicative of us because we are like them. And then he says, you know what, let's change that attitude. Let's take that attitude and replace it with something else. We had uh, this attitude... Um, and and uh, we we had a, a complaining attitude at the beginning, and uh, we, then we replaced that complaining attitude with an attitude of thankfulness, gratitude. Yep, attitude uh, of gratitude. And then uh, last week we talked about there's that word again, that right? dreaded word, covetousness, yes. or a covetous attitude. And uh, today. Uh, we are going to replace that covetous attitude, that idea of wanting, 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 enough is never enough. Uh, We're going to replace that with an attitude of contentment. I bet you like that word a lot better. Contentment is better than covetousness. That (laughs) is easier to say. An attitude of contentment. Isn't that a nice thought? Just the rest in contentment as you sit here and think about that. It's a great word, and we, you and I talked about this before. And we're going to go. We're going to. We're going to start. He's talking about First Timothy six, six through ten. But as as those who have listened before know, uh, he starts every chapter with a say it in a sentence, and it gives us an idea of the word that he's talking about, or or an idea that he's talking about. And he says here a consistent attitude of contentment can bring lasting joy and lead you out of the wilderness of covetousness. See, you won't even get rid of that word Word for me. Yeah, he just keeps going and going and going. And that's exactly right. A consistent attitude of contentment. And he starts, and, and I wanted to read just a little bit. He says, stop for a moment and picture a place with me. Lean your head back and close your eyes. After you read this part, of course, an image, and imagine a place that is more peaceful than you've ever known. Life is not perfect in this place, but it is peaceful. You're not in a hurry to do anything, and you are not submerged in the demands of others. There are houses near you, but not on top of you, and there's no pressures to buy or do or experience. You don't hear horns or mess with traffic hassles. You rush to rush to appointments or or hate the phone when it rings. 
just time, lots of time to do the things you need to do and time left over to do what you like. There's room to breathe and to walk and to think. You live in a modest home and your kids may wear hand-me-downs, but your family is happy and your needs are met. No wonder your life verses are Proverbs 38 and 9 that says, Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is my portion, that I not be full and deny you uh, and, and say, who is the Lord? Or that I not be in want and steal and profane the name of my God. That's a beautiful picture. Here's my problem. Okay. <laughs> I knew you would have one with that. It's a beautiful picture. But is it possible? It's not realistic. Is it? Is it real? It's, it's great. And I understand. I understand what he's doing. I'm coming at it from... Probably the, I, I, not the, not the negative attitude, but the questioning attitude, the, the the side that says, okay, we all want that. Christian, non-Christian, we all right. seek that. Exactly. Is it possible? No, not really. <laughs> but it's the Some attitude. Of it. Some, Some of, of it, it is. is, but it's the attitude you have during it. And you I, know, because right. the one thing I hate is, you know, it used to be you just had a house phone and it rang once in a while and you didn't answer it and it was okay. Well, right. now we got cell phones attached to our hips and there is no getting away from them ever unless you that's, shut them off that's totally right. and leave them. And then if you do, people are irate. Well, and, and if you're my kids, they come over to see what's up and then you have even sure. less quiet time. So there's there's always this building of this expectation of, okay, now that you have it, uh, you have to adjust mm-hmm. because it, whether it's a cell phone, whether it's right. a bigger house. Right. Whether it's this or that, or or and and that goes back to the covetousness that that he was talking about. I think one of the things that James McDonald is trying to do here is this picture that he builds at the beginning of the chapter is a symbol. It symbolizes something. In 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 some discussions, you've heard people say. We need to get back to the easier life, the simple life. Remember that when you were your your house was maybe you had to walk two miles to get <laughs> to borrow some sugar. And again, that can happen. Many people many people have that. Some people live out in the middle of nowhere. It takes nine days to get <laughs> yeah. someplace. But they get back to the simple life. I think this is indicative, and you can see this in a move in society in some ways. Now, you don't watch TV. I know you watch TV, but you don't watch the right stuff. I know. I don't so, watch the movies. <laughs> you see, everything now is about Alaska. Oh, yes. I Let's just go saw, get gold and I rubies did, well, and all that stuff. Well, not just that, but uh, it, one one show that Christine and I like to watch is called Alaska, uh, The Last Frontier. Oh, with the families that live up there. Richard watches that one. Yes, we like The Homestead. The Homestead, uh, yes. The, 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 up there. And the idea of that. Now, I just saw something on uh, on the Internet that y- y- you never know whether it's true or not, but there was a study uh, that was done that uh, it showed the states and it showed which states were the happiest. Oh, where is the happiest? And they use all kinds. Of, you can use all kinds of different criteria. And when I think of that, I, it brought me back to the idea of contentment. Mm-hmm. Now, happiness isn't necessarily contentment, but Alaska Alaska was the happiest state. Because you like the way of life. Because you like the way of life. The mm-hmm. idea of the... It, now, there's nothing simple about living in... No, not in, at all. In the, in, in the Alaskan uh, up on the bay like like they do in Alaska. There's nothing simple about it at all. You're working your tail off to make it to winter. And it's cold and it's and muddy. And it's cold and it's yeah. muddy. Uh but there was the idea of contentment for them. They are content with what they have. So one of the things that we should probably say at the very beginning, contentment doesn't equal easy. Easy. No. 
And and that's what you and I were talking about before we went on air was the idea of sometimes this chapter, especially contentment, people can become confused about what it really means. Well, you know, my dad was ranch farm all his life. Sure. And he said, I did what I loved and I loved what I did. Right. And I think that's contentment. That that means if the water's frozen, you lost a calf, you, you whatever, you love mm-hmm. what you did. Right. And it wasn't easy for him no, at all. No, no, at all. There are times right. he'd come in, he'd have bicycles hanging off his eyebrows, you know. Right. Yeah. And you look at it and you think to yourself, if we get into that that attitude of contentment in God then equals easy in God, then we're missing it. Because as soon as the first tough thing comes along, we believe that we are no longer content. Well, and two, we're we're not learning to rely on God's strength and build our relationship with him. Right. He talks about 1 Timothy 6, uh, verses 6 through 10. Uh, and, it, and it says, but godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. For we have brought nothing into the world, we can take nothing out of it either. If we have food and covering with, with these, we shall be content. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare, and many foolish and harmful desires which plen- plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. And some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Again, loaded, loaded, loaded. Very much so. Yes, again. And and I don't think James McDonald is is attempting to do this, uh, and we're not attempting to do this. And I, if James McDonald is saying what I uh, this, then then I don't agree with him. Um, but I don't think he's he's saying to have money. Is is a sin, and and in here in Timothy, it that's not it either, right? When Paul talks about the the love, uh, you know, what he says is the love of money. It's when is, you're obsessed with it, it. Yes, and you said that before we went on air. All of this is once again, if we replace God with something, that's right. not contentment, right? That's the. If money then replaces the love of money, then replaces the love of God, then then we're off. If the right. love of things replaces the love of God, then then we're off. Well, he goes through several things. I don't know whether you're going to go through that. It yeah. even goes to your ministry and, it, exactly. and family life. So. Yeah, yeah. He talks about, and then he uh, he always does this in his book, and I think it's good to do. He talks about defining contentment. Yeah. Contentment, kind of a nice word, isn't it? He says, take a deep breath and absorb the crisp, clean air atop Mount Contentment. But what does it mean and how do we get there? Here's a definition. Contentment is a satisfaction with God's sufficient provision. Satisfied. You don't need anything else. You're satisfied with what God has entrusted to you. Talk about going against the grain of culture. Contentment means to rest in what one already has and seek nothing more. Again, problem. Don't think he, that's exactly what he means. Um, I, I understand, I get the idea, and the reason I'm harping on this is because I'm sure this is what everybody is thinking. And we don't want, what, what I don't want to do, and I don't want us to do on this show, is then to say, just stop with what you have. You're good enough. Because maybe you're not. Because God never, there are times when God says, stop, rest, rest. be content. There are also times when God says, get up off your lazy hind end. Strive. Strive. I've work for do. you to do. I have work for you to do. What we can do is we can take this idea of contentment and use it in a horrible, horrible way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got... Uh, well, but in order to know which way to use it, I think you know how, you have to know the Word of God and put that right. into proper perspective. And then then it's a difference between a, a negative connotation of contentment and an idea of listening to the word of and being obedient to the word of God. And I take it to be jealous, to to the point of jealousy. Derek has this huge house, and I want mm-hmm. one like it, and right. I just live in a trailer house. Exactly. And I think that's where I think of this contentment in yeah. being. You, ha- your wife has a mink coat, and right. I want one. And My wife actually doesn't have a mink no, coat. No, oh, but I was yeah. just you know using yeah. examples. <laughs> that Why in. doesn't my 
I'll tell you exactly what. <laughs> she doesn't want to kill the animal to get it. No, we can't afford a mink coat. <laughs> Neither can I. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen a mink coat. I haven't. Yeah. I don't <laughs> have on a TV. He says this. He says something in here that I think clarifies what he's talking. He says, please notice that Paul is not condemning the desire for gain. He says, deep within each of us is a hunger for improvement. And I think that section is where he is He is uh, once again saying, that's not the bad thing. That's right. not what we have to look at. That's not our self-inventory of Lent. Mm-hmm. Our self-inventory of Lent is, why do we want the gain? Mm-hmm. Why do we want what the improvement? What purpose is it going to serve? What's the purpose does it serve? <clears throat> Excuse me. Is it something like you were saying, as the idea of I've got to keep up with the Joneses? Mm-hmm. Uh, is it that idea that says um, I, I've got to have what you have, and or is it the sense of I've worked for this, I can get this, I'd like to do this, this would be nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I need this for what God wants me to do. I need to set these things up for what God wants me to do. Um, because there's a huge difference in there. And so that's why I said at the beginning, this is this is one that can kind of trip you up a little bit. Um, the other thing is that whole idea of a, an attitude of, content, of contentment, of not just not wanting what somebody else wants, but there's the idea of we are very good just like it's easy for us to see murmuring in others. It's easy for us to see covetousness in others. There is a sense that a lot of people condemn other people because they do have more. And and we say to ourselves, oh, look at all that they've got. They should be content with what they – they shouldn't go out and get another car. That's Mm -hmm. just wasteful. Now, it might be for us, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. So contentment is a is a – Tough thing we can well, I use think it's it. Being content in a lot you have. If you have the finances right. to do it and the other right. person doesn't, you have to have acceptance in there. Yep. He goes on with these little uh equations. <laughs> these he comes up with, with different equations. And the first one he says, Godliness plus contentment equals great success. Yet in a world that increasingly rejects absolute truth, that formula is not only rejected, it's ridiculed. And and I believe that. He also then gives this wrong answer. It's not all surprising, at all surprising, that people who don't believe in absolutes have a hard time believing in a God who gives absolute answers. I like that part, though. Yeah. What's a lot sadder than that is to see those of us who claim to believe that God wrote a book called the Bible and ought to know better trying to mess with God's equation. Their lives are messed up because of a lot of fuzzy spiritual math. Or as I like to call it, the Christian Common Core. (laughs) Exactly. But I look at this as the base of everything. It's the base of our faith. If we don't believe 100% of God's word, then we're lost. We have a lot of spiritual fuzzy math, the Christian Common Core, that really is kind of weird. He says, here are a few equations Christians are trying that definitely don't add up. My idea of the Christian Common Core or as I like to call it, the Communism Corps. But oh. that's for another show at a later time. George, where are you? <laughs> Godliness plus prosperity equals great gain. No, that and that's not true. No, it's not true. It probably, mm-hmm. prosperity equals great gain for you, but it doesn't mean great gain for the kingdom of God. God right. Or inevitably, probably great gain for you. Buzz, you failed the test, he says. How many people are pursuing that? In fact, since the mid-70s, the doctrine of godliness plus prosperity has been getting a lot of time in North America, and it has. We call it prosperity gospel. I know you used to talk about that so much in our Bible studies. Yes, I do not like prosperity gospel. I do like prosperity. (laughs) Well, I think people get lost in it, because I know some of the ones you said who were Mm-hmm. Name it and claim mm-hmm. it, prosperity gospel. I used to find peace in them because my life was so out of balance and out of whack that I just liked hearing the peaceful talk. It's not that I knew it would ever right. be perfect and that that money would make me happy. It's just I like the calm peacefulness of it. And just like with any other fuzzy math, the answer is in there. And And there are parts of what people would call prosperity gospel. 
godliness uh, and, and many people who, who purport the fact or the idea that I give all to God, God will give all to me. And that's not true. God gets to decide. God gets to decide. Yeah. If I am godly, if I, if I am truly in touch with God, then I will have the desires of my heart. Not always not true. true. No. Sometimes and true. And that's where contentment comes in. If it matches with what God wants me. Yeah. But the problem with prosperity gospel is the whole idea that what I get from God somehow determined, is determined by what I do. If I uh, know, you know, am as close as I possibly can to God, then everything that I want, God will give me. When in reality, what it is, is if I am close, if my relationship with God, then everything that God will wants me to have will be enough. That's contentment. Right. And we mess it up a lot of the time when we say, hey, just do this and God and you will have the desires of your heart. That right there is a big giant red flag that says, if you are seeking the desires of your heart above the desire of God's heart, right. you're not content. Exactly. That's my problem with prosperity. One more before we go to break. Godliness plus poverty equals great gain. <laughs> I have Bang. seen some of those, yes. Well, we get stuck in the Beatitudes. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the humble, the lowly. The, and the meek doesn't even mean what nope. they they yep. say it means when they go and try to go poor on you. He says, "Oh, I get the picture now. It has nothing to do with having money. It has to do with not having money. I don't have any. I've renounced all of that. I've taken a vow of poverty. I'm as poor as a church mouse, and now I'll be happy for sure." Eh, wrong. Right. Wrong, 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 wrong. You failed. You failed the test. Remember that we pointed out in last chapter: those in poverty have no immunity to covetousness. And so he talks about godliness plus power or influence equals great gain. That one's easy. That's not. <laughs> godliness plus family harmony equals great gain. That's not right that's either. That's the one I always kind of wanted. I wanted everything just to run smooth in my own little world because you come out of that perfectionism. Right. Godliness plus ministry success equals great gain. Man, that's not right either. He, he says, been there, done that. The yep. above equation definitely does not lead to happiness. Man, been there, done that. That is absolutely, he says, there's only one equation for great gain. It's an unalterable formula and nothing else comes close to working. Godliness plus contentment equals great gain. It doesn't mean godliness plus uh, lack of purpose. It doesn't mean not striving. It doesn't... Uh, th there's, a, there's a word in there, and I want to talk about it when we come back from break, because there's something in contentment that I think is important that helps pave the, the way, clears the pathway for an idea of contentment that he doesn't touch on a lot, uh, but, but I think he hints at, is obedience. Mm. obedience has a lot to do with it because Absolutely. if we don't listen for what God wants us to do, if we're not doing what God wants us to do, if we're not obedient to what God has for us, then by the very fact of the definition, there can be no contentment. There should be well, no contentment. Well, that's when we live in the wilderness because we're not using what God wants us to do. And that's, we're not using our spiritual gifts or anything. That's exactly right. We're going to take a break here when we come back. Uh, we're studying this book by James McDonald called Lord Change My Attitude Before It's Too Late. We're talking about replacing an attitude of covetousness with an attitude of contentment. And he's, he's going to give us some steps. Uh, to fulfilling that contentment. So we want you to stay with us on the other side of the break. You're listening to Becoming Christlike right here on Blog Talk Radio. Hello to all of Derek's listeners. Thanks, Derek, for giving me time to share my heart's passion, encouraging cancer, long-term illness patients, and their families. Gilead is an outreach that encourages over 2,400 people in 38 states. Our goal is to bring hope and help to those on the journey through the unknowns of treatment, family stress, and spiritual questions. One such story is Eric, whose senior year in high school was interrupted by the cancer that he was diagnosed with, interrupting a three-sport high school year. It changed his life, 
and his perspective. Today, Eric's family oversees a foundation helping to find a cure. We're currently in our 15th year. would love to have you as a partner, either as a volunteer or a gift financially. Look for us on Facebook at Gilead Ministries. I'm in the way the bright and Graduation day is almost here. You've worked so hard, and now it's all paying off. Everyone will be telling you how proud they are. Give them one more thing to be proud of. Celebrate graduation safe and sober. Don't let drugs and alcohol threaten what you've worked so hard to achieve. This message is brought to you by Southeast Health Group, your local resource for drug and alcohol treatment. Call 1-800-511-5446 for more information about a safe and sober graduation. Welcome back to Becoming Christ-like on the Road Less Traveled, Blog Talk Radio. So you thought you had to keep this up. You're listening to Becoming Christ-like right here on Blog Talk Radio and YouTube. We are talking about a book from James McDonald called Lord Change My Attitude Before It's Too Late, and we have been talking about contentment. I'm Derek. This is Dawn. Jimbo's running the buttons in the producer's booth. Um, and and I, I said this at the very beginning, uh, that this chapter and this whole idea of contentment can be very confusing to some people, and I, I yeah. mentioned it to you during the break, and, and I'll, I'll mention it again because here's my example, uh, the idea of contentment and the idea of the words uh, that we read in First Timothy that Paul is writing, uh, the idea of be content with what you have, the idea of going out to a family who lives in a, in a modest home but nice home and a nice family and just making the bills and putting some money in the bank and mm-hmm. saving for their retirement and all those and say to them, be content with what you have. It is very easy for them to, to grasp that idea. Okay, I don't really need any more. I, I don't go to some uh, single mother who is uh, struggling and working three jobs, not making the bills, trying to feed her, her two children, uh, trying to buy them shoes or, or even pay for, for the most um, basic of needs and, and not making it and say to her, be content with what you have. Right. It's a whole different story. You're right. So it's really not 
about stuff, although it is about stuff when you talk about being covetous and things like that. It's about be content in God, because what I think is God doesn't look down on that single mother and say, I like, uh, yeah, you blew it. Or you know what? I like it where you are. God wants more for that. Absolutely. For that mother. And for us to confuse contentment and say, you should just be happy with what you have. It doesn't even sound right, does it? No. Why would you be happy with that? Right. Why would you be happy with that? The struggle is to grow through it and get more because God has lots more in store for you that's good. Be happy with the love that you have for your children. Be happy that you're a family. There are a number of things to be happy for. Absolutely. But there are a number of things in that scenario to say, you know what? God does want more. And we we confuse people. Mm -hmm. Uh, We talked about that prosperity gospel. We We confuse people a lot when we say, God wants you to be happy with what you have. And out of the other side of our face, we say, God wants you to do and wants you to have so much more. Well, which is it? Right. Which which is it? And and my answer is, it's both. It all depends on the avenue in which you seek those things. Happy where you're at, but you're always striving for more of God's good mercy and grace. That's exactly right. He, he puts in his book, again, James McDonald here has a book called Lord Change My Attitude Before... It's Too Late, a great book for Lent to look at yourself and to look in your heart. And he has some steps here for us. Contentment step one, look to eternity, for we have brought nothing into the world. We can take nothing out of it. That's a great thing. That's that's looking into the future and saying, let's keep the main thing, the main thing. What's my goal here? That, that Look into eternity to say, in the end, none of this stuff comes with me. It doesn't go. It all it, stays it, here. It, it doesn't. It doesn't go. That doesn't mean it's bad to have stuff. No, but you can't take it with you. It there's there's a beautiful mansion in heaven, but it's already furnished. Yes, you can't. I don't take, have to take a thing. You you don't have to take that, and um, and and that is exactly right. Um, and when you think about that, that mm-hmm. should give you contentment. That none of this is the really important thing. That your treasure right. is in heaven, and right. it doesn't matter if you have two houses and four cars. It just doesn't matter. Yeah. Do not end. store up uh, on earth, tre- or do not store up treasures, or what is it? Do not store up uh, treasures here on earth, right. uh, where the rust and, and the moth can yeah. get to you. But rather uh, store up treasures in heaven. Um, and and he does talk about uh, Bill Gates uh, because Gates is is he gives so he gives so much money. Um, I don't agree with everything that Bill Gates gives money for, but still he has this idea uh, of not of sharing his wealth uh, with people. And he talks he talks a lot about this idea of you're not taking your things with you. You're taking your reputation with you. What is it that people will remember? about you it's your famous sermon you're taking the dash yeah yeah that's exactly right from the time you um, were born to the time you died right contentment step number two let enough be enough the, the problem that we have is is deciding when enough is enough mm-hmm. uh and what is enough how do i determine it again though that doesn't mean that we just stop doing it doesn't mean that we stop being it I doesn't think- so he's talking about the bad traits that we sure. have sometimes in us. Like his example is is eating. When you're full, stop. Enough is enough. You don't have to gorge yourself. Right. Yeah. He says all you need for contentment is room and board. Let's start with our board. Notice the simple word food. There's no caviar. And again, this goes back to the idea of the, the Israelites, obviously. Right. With the uh, man and Bread and water. He talks about the room. The word in verse 8 is covering, just covering. That's all we need for great gain. Not multiple outfits with matching shoes. Not 3,000 square foot home with central air and plans for a summer home. Just shelter to protect our heads and clothes. And again, I want to reiterate, there's nothing wrong with the 3,000 square foot. And I don't think he's talking about that. Again, it's does it replace? that contentment in God. in God. And I think there's a danger if you don't look deep into this chapter that James McDonald is somehow saying we all need to go back to a third world status. 
if he is saying that, I don't agree with that. See, and I never got that impression at all. Yeah, and I don't either, although some people do. There is that, uh, not get that impression from what he's reading, but there are some people who believe that, that says instead of bringing people up in life, those who are up in life should come down in life. Don't you think, though, that God himself might be calling that person to go there with the special gifts and talents that that person has to go help in that third world country? So there you you go. You've got to have God in the center of your your thoughts. Exactly. And that comes to mind. We all have different visions in our head when we talk about that. If we talk about being in a, we we have a tendency to think a lot about missionaries mm-hmm. who give up everything, but that isn't always the case because not all of us are missionaries. So how does right. it apply in our life? Right, it, a daily application of it that says what is, what is enough, what is content, uh, and that sense of, I have what I have, and God always wants me to have more of something, and nine times out of ten, well, all times out of ten, it's more of him. Sometimes it's, I need you to move here, I need you to do this, because you can't see the eight moves ahead that I know are coming that gets you to where I want you to be. And if you can't be obedient in the first move, how can I expect you to be obedient to get to the eighth move? Exactly. And, And there is that contentment. Um, it's about relationship. Right. He talks about contentment. Step number three, learn by example. Beyond thinking about eternity and letting enough be enough, here's the third step. Learn by example. The craziest thing about the human race is that we think we have to learn everything on our own. Um, We're not the first people to talk about contentment, right? We're not the first ones to struggle with covetousness or experience its fallout and devastation. Um, he, he quotes John D. Rockefeller, who said, I've made millions, but they have brought me no happiness. Cornelius Vanderbilt said, the care of millions is too great a load. There is no pleasure in it. Uh, John Astor said, I'm the most miserable man on earth. Uh, though he owned a luxurious estate, Henry Ford said at the end of his life, I was happier as a, bur- a boy working in a mechanic shop, though we had nothing. I've always been, and there was a great show on the History Channel. Uh, the men who built America, mm. and all of them were, were these men, Rockefeller, uh, Astor, uh, Carnegie, uh, all of those, and how they built America. I am always amazed at quotes from individuals like that um, when, when they say that. It's interesting to me because I have a different take on it. Um, I want to take you back to the single mother. Mm-hmm. Who um, who has two children barely making, not even making bills. You know, not not even sure if she's going to be able to stay in her apartment. And what I believe is is wrong to go to her and say, look what look what Henry Ford said. Henry Ford said he was happy. He wanted to be. There is there is something that says this. Those who say that money isn't everything are people who have money. Have money, yes. There's a fine line right there between existence and and striving for what God wants us to do and taking people into a lower uh, category. And in 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 here in society is is what I think. I'll throw this in here simply because it's my show. <laughs> um, it's our show, but I'm speaking right now. So I'm going to. Here's my problem. We see it all the time. We talk about economic adjustments. We talk about all kinds of things. We somehow look at the people in this country who have achieved. And we now say that they're bad. The the only thing that I don't like about that, I believe God wants us to achieve. He wants us to achieve for his kingdom. But nowhere did I ever, do you ever say, not even in the Beatitudes, do you see God saying, be the least you can be and then be happy. 
He says, be the most in me that you can be, and you will find happiness. But we have this idea that somehow those who who achieve in life can can no no longer find contentment, and that we shouldn't try and strive. We shouldn't try. There's a danger in that. Absolutely. And I think what James McDonald is trying to say is, whatever you have, be it a lot or none, find contentment in what God wants in your life. Your relationship with him. Yeah. Because I, I am against the person who would walk into that that single mother's home and say, this is exactly what God wants for you. Yeah, That's That's not what God wants for you at all. Well, I don't know that he wants you in a... The fact is that she might be suffering a consequence of a choice of life. Absolutely. But that's not what he wants for her at any point. That's exactly right. He has a danger, danger, danger here. Uh, He says, I wonder if any of those men ever read 1 Timothy 6, 9 that says, but those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare. That word wants is from a Greek word that means not a momentary emotional desire, but a settled desire born of reason. Does that sound familiar? I've thought it through, and this is what my life will be all about, money. I'm going to make as much as I can. I'm going to get some things. I'm going to build something. I'm going to stand on top of it and say, look what I did. That's a very bad plan. I absolutely agree with that. Absolutely agree with that. But that's not the majority of us. It's not. And there are rich people who haven't said that. There are poor people who say, I want, I would love to have a bunch of money so I could do great things for God. That doesn't mean I can't do great things for God without money, but some things enable us to do certain sure, things. Sure. In this scenario that he's talking about, I absolutely agree, because what do they say? I'm going to build something. I'm going to stand. Look what I did. There's too many eyes in there. That's taking you out of God's will and saying, I don't care what you want me to do, God. I care about what I want. I'm thinking obsessive compulsive here. <laughs> that's that's an idea of covetousness. Yes. So, uh, and then, because I, I really want to make sure that we aren't condemning those who succeed in life by doing what God wants us to do. And I think that's the acceptance of the lot we've been given mm-hmm. that we're supposed to accept. Mm-hmm. And and But I do agree. Sometimes when I look about people doing like, you know, it, it used to be like big corporations, they made the big dollars, but they passed it down now. But I do right. believe that now at the top of these big corporations, there's a lot of greed and they oh, don't sure pass it is. down. Sure to the people who broke their backs getting it for the ones at the top. And yeah. I think that's where sometimes we have some fault sure. with not giving what's properly due the people who got you there. A- abs- absolutely. Uh, it, it, when you talk about economic structures in business, you talk about uh, uh, redis. What, what I'm really talking about is the idea of redistribution of wealth, that those who have mm-hmm. are somehow should be mandated. Again, we've talked about this. Uh, on a number of, of different shows, we talk about it on Derek and George. You can't uh, legislate morality. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You can't do it. Uh, God has to work in that individual's heart that says, I'm going to pass on, pass down, right. share what I have, have uh, received from God. Right. That, that blessing. A, a tithing, that that type of thing. But you can't, as a law, come in and say, yes. that which you have achieved in life, it needs to be taken from you and given to, to right. other people. I agree with I'm that. not for that. People hide that under the, the, the name of social justice, and I think that's a crock. Uh, social justice only works with people who are socially minded, who have the love of God in it doesn't work for everybody. And then when you try and take those things from them, all hell breaks loose. Mm-hmm. And it, it, just, it just doesn't work. Right. So, uh, and we are trying to mandate that. We're trying to make people be socially uh, Then you get to the minded. place when you say, why should I? Right. That's exactly right. That's why it has to be a relationship with God. And you have to work on your own relationship with God. I can't make you do something in God. Mm-hmm. Uh, or for God. 
And so he talks about that. At the end of each one of his chapters, he he says, let's talk solution. He talks about a seek it, a a say it, and a settle it. Uh, it, Seek contentment as a lifestyle. I think that's great uh, great advice as a choice. Say it. Cultivate the capacity to say, I have enough. Mm -hmm. I have enough. Um, Except in one spot. That can't be in relationship to God. You can never you have can't enough Christ say, in you. I have enough God. Yes. I have enough God. Lots of people say, I've had enough church. I've had enough of the pastor. I've had enough of the people. But, not but to God. say, I have a, I have a, I'm content in God cannot mean I have enough of him. You, you can't do that. And then he says, settle it. In Psalm 62.10, it says, if riches increase... Do not set your heart upon them. I absolutely agree. That I can't that be. so important. Yeah, yeah. You um, don't live for the money. You live for God. Right. That's exactly right. But again, nothing wrong with getting the money. No, absolutely How do we not. do it? How do we do it? Because who decides who has enough? The poor are going to say the rich has too much. Mm-hmm. The rich are going to say poor get more. Get out uh, that, and do. You haven't locked in my shoes. Right. The people who are in the middle are the ones who are going to get trampled, which we see with the middle class all the time. So uh, he says, start here and ask yourself these questions. Am I a contented person? I know some will say, look to eternity. Yeah, I guess I think about death once in a while. But what does it mean to think eternal thought? Here's an example. If all the grains of the sand, of sand on all the beaches in all the world represents eternity, then you could say that one grain of sand represents life on this earth. And all the rest of the grains of sands on all the beaches in all the world represent the same amount of time in eternity. We're over here grinding this one grain of sand, our time on earth, to get everything out of it and failing. But too often we ignore all the rest God has in store for us to be content, focus on eternity, let enough be enough, learn by example, get to the place where you can say yes to the question, am I a contented person? I'm okay with that. As you can see, I have trouble with this. Yeah. The second question, am I seeing the blessings of contentment in my life? That's I, I'm all for that one. Blessings such as joy in the present and health and satisfaction in the simple things of life. But who determines that? Who defines the simple things? Again, all those things have to be brought back to where am I in Christ? Right. And what is, is what I'm doing making me more Christ-like? And what I'm doing is what he called me to do. Exactly. Am I doing what he asked me to do? Am right. I obedient to what he's wanting from me? Am I choosing contentment over covetousness moment by moment? I think that's the trick that's right a, there. That's, a, that's, that's a trick. the trick right there. Because the, the attitudes are, are formed over long periods of time. So moment by moment, mm-hmm. you're choosing to be content. But at that contentment, God is at the side of contentment pulling you right. on. Where the struggle can come is when we look at this way too close and too seriously and too uh, through the wrong lens mm-hmm. and say, okay, let's say Don... Richard needs a new truck because his is getting old. He does. <laughs> okay. Does his run? One of them does. The other one barely. Okay. And and so there's this idea of, Richard, your truck runs, man. I don't know what your yeah. problem is. Be content. Yeah, sometimes you put and more to, into repair bills. So and, and to say the idea of Richard wanting a, a newer truck, maybe not a new truck, but a, a better truck. Is covetousness. I and don't agree not, with that. I don't either. at all. But that can become that can become what what I would call the mirror image of prosperity gospel. Mm-hmm. Just as I'm not for prosperity gospel that says if you're doing what God wants you to do, He will give you everything that you want. I'm not in favor of if you're really a Christian, you won't want anything new. And that's not that's true. That's not true at all. You see, those are, are, that's, the two far those, sides. are those are the two far sides. Mm-hmm. Where's the middle? And I think that's what James McDonald is trying to get us to do, mm-hmm. is to find that middle. Mm-hmm. To say, it, it, because sometimes you need the new truck. Right. Otherwise, you know, he couldn't provide for his family. Exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. So that's that's the thing. And it's not up to me 
to decide if Richard needs a new truck. Right. It's not it, it's it's not up to me at all. And the problem is is that we spend a lot of time in contentment trying to decide what everybody else needs mm-hmm. instead of what we need. So we take care of other people's business and try to run their world instead of running our own. He ends every one of his chapters with a look up and I want to share it with you today. It says, "Father, thank you again today for the truth of your word." Lord, I've learned by experience that hearing your word is not enough. I know I need to act upon your word. It's doing what it says that brings results. Lord, don't let me deceive myself today into thinking that I am changed because of what I have read. Let me be changed because of what I do in response to what I've read. Let my home and my place of work and my life this week be filled with contentment. Lord, I do have enough. I have you. I have your promises. I have your faithfulness. I have your strength and wisdom to pursue change in the hurtful areas of my life. I know I can trust you with my burdens. Forgive me for thinking that my happiness is in anything external. Help me to embrace the truth that godliness with contentment is great gain. All that I pray, I pray in the name of Jesus, who is my ultimate example of true contentment. Amen. And I I, I think that's a great way uh, to go about doing it. I think the key words, too, is happiness in anything external. Exactly. That's exactly right. But it doesn't mean you can't like your new truck. Absolutely not. That's exactly right. Next week, we're going to talk about the next chapter to replace a critical attitude. Uh, and boy, oh boy. Uh, I started reading this. Yeah, this boy. is probably my weakest link right yeah. here. How do we replace a critical attitude? Uh-huh. Don't be critical. Holy moly. Anyway, we are studying the book James McDonald wrote called Lord Change My Attitude Before It's Too Late. If you want to find us, you can go to BeMoreChristlike.com. You can also go to our Facebook, uh, which is Becoming Christlike, and share all the wonderful things that you can catch the show there. You can listen to the show there. You can also go to our Twitter, uh, which is uh, Christlike Today. Uh, you will see the Becoming Christlike on each one of the headers. You will see them. Uh, it, it will be very, uh, very obvious uh, of what... Uh, Uh, what you are looking at. So we want to encourage you to join us each Friday morning, 8 a.m. Mountain Standard Time, as we continue this study through the time of Lent. We pray that God is working on you and in you during this time of Lent. So for everybody here at The Road Less Traveled, everybody here at Becoming Christ, like myself, Don Jimbo, who does such a great job in the producer's booth, we want to thank you for listening and encourage you each and every day to become more and more Christ-like. God bless. God bless. Like